5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. All right, everybody, uh, welcome in. A huge uh, day today on the program. We have uh, coming up uh, ECU Interim Chancellor Dr. Ron Mitchelson will be with us uh, on the phone, and uh, that is uh, coming up in a matter of minutes. Uh, But right now we start things off. Uh, Real honor at this time to uh, have on the program Brett McMurphy, uh, Stadium's uh, college football insider joining us uh, here right off the jump. Brett, uh, it's great to have you on. This has been something uh, I've looked forward to all day today, but also uh, looking forward to having you on and have been looking forward to having you on our program for a long time. So welcome aboard, and thank you for taking a few minutes with us. Hey, thank you very much. I uh, hope hope everyone's good there in Greenville, and obviously uh, stay safe. We are. How How is uh, life for Brett McMurphy now and, and health eyes of the family and all that? Uh, we're good. I'm based uh, based down here in Tampa. Um, been here for quite a time, quite a while. Uh, rem- remember the good old days covering uh, East Carolina USF Conference USA battles. Um, so um, we're good. Fortunately, we got some nice weather down here, so we can you can get out of the house, you know, to go for a run. Uh, you don't feel as cooped up maybe as other people around the country where they may maybe having snow and those sort of things. <laughs> I don't know how those people are dealing with it, but I don't think I could. Yeah, it, we've got pretty nice weather up here, although uh, a little bit of, of rain coming in this evening. But by and large, I mean, we've been uh, really pleasant up here. I guess the big news, and, and we're going to get into everything with college football, but the big news in Tampa is Tom Brady and the reveal of the new uh, of the uh, new uh, football uniforms. Having lived in Central Florida for a couple of years, you know, the, the, the Bucks and the city of Tampa, I think, have the strongest relationship of any of the pro sports teams in that area, but it still kind of runs hot and cold. What is what is the city temp? What's the city's temperature now with the Buccaneers? Obviously, a, a lot better now with Brady coming on board. Um, <laughs> now, the previous years, it was, uh, you know, a lot of bad football. Um, you know, the Bucks won the Super Bowl. Gosh, I don't know how long it's been when Gruden was there, and then he left, and then they kindly uh, went downhill. So slowly went downhill. So uh, the uh, optimism is no doubt at an all-time high, and um, yeah. So we've got two things going down here in Tampa. We've got um, we've got Tom Brady moving in, and then if you saw the Tiger King yeah. series on Netflix, <laughs> I yeah. live uh, I live five miles from. Uh, big cat rescue. So I'm on the lookout for Carol Bas- Baskin. You, so you probably need to be pr- now. Have you, have you ever been to the big cat rescue? I have not. I know friends that have gone there. I mean, it's it just, you know, it's basically was like a zoo. You walk in and, you know, go like a zoo, but now they've, since the series came out, they've actually, um, it, they've got a sign up that says, um, admission by, by appointment only. Um, so you can't just walk in. The gates are locked. They took down some of the two of the bigger signs out on the on the major road that the entrance was on. Um, and actually, the the trail where the guy wanted to said they could shoot her because she rides her bike on there. I go jogging on that trail quite often. So <laughs> I've, been, I've been looking up in the trees every once in a while now. 
if you see a toothless hillbilly duck, that's just that would be my my piece of advice for you. Uh, the yeah, great Brett, <laughs> the great Brett McMurphy is with us. College football insider uh, for Stadium and uh, at Brett underscore McMurphy on uh, Twitter. It's great to have uh, him on. So you had a great comprehensive article uh, last week about uh, springtime college football and kind of the plans that are in place. Uh, we're going to talk to ECU's chancellor about that a little bit later on as far as, uh, you know, when we might see the college football be played in this uh, era of uh, the coronavirus. Uh, and it sounds to me, uh, in talking to people, but also reading uh, your article again today, Brett, that uh, everything's on the table right now. Yeah, you know, it really is. Um, you know, everyone wants to know what's the drop-dead date? What plan are they going to use? Nobody knows the answers to that. And basically, they're waiting, like everybody listening, everybody's waiting for the all-clear signal. Everybody's waiting for the green light for go so things can return to normal. Um, but until that happens, you know, they don't know, um, you know, what they're going to do. Are they going to play a conference-only schedule? Are they going to start the season a couple months late and go into February or March? It's split it over two semesters. Um, will they wait until the spring? Um, wait till after the Christmas holidays to start the season. Nobody, nobody knows because we're waiting for the all clear. I, I think, and this is, this is strictly my opinion. Nobody has told me, none of the, the athletic directors or commissioners I've talked to. It's just my read on the whole situation. I just find it really hard to believe that when we get to, you know, July, early August, that all of these major university presidents are going to have the confidence to say, hey, you know what? All of our tens of thousands of students from all over the world, it's safe to come back on campus. I just think that's that's not realistic. Now, again, I, I believe me, I hope I'm wrong. I pray I'm wrong, but I don't think that's going to happen. So if that's the case, then you've got to move the season back probably to the spring. The good news is there, there are there are contingency plans of playing in the spring, and as crazy as it sounds, we could have the, the national semifinals from the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl or the national title game for Miami sometime around Memorial Day. Um, and so that's, that's what I think will happen. Again, if we get the all-clear a lot earlier than that, then absolutely I'll be thrilled that I'm wrong. But I'm just afraid, you know, when I, when I read about – what the Major League Baseball is considering doing to play into September and they're quarantining everybody and keeping them away from their families for four and a half months and living in hotels and playing all the games in Arizona. I'm like, that's for a sport that there's really no contact. And then you look at football and or basketball. I just think it's a, I just think it's a lot more difficult. Um, and then one other, one other, you know, kind of tricky thing that college football has to deal with um, obviously you're right there in the, in the heart of, uh, the American conference. And, you know, also obviously Carolina's the ACC. So either conference, I'm not picking on a conference, but either conference or both conferences, let's say three fourths of their members say, you know what, all of our students are coming back on campus to do fall classes. And right. then one fourth of the members say, Hey, you know what, we're doing online classes. It's not safe for whatever reason. What what does the conference do? And I don't know the answer. That's and I don't think the commissioners or the ads know the answer. You know, do they continue to play without the schools that don't have teams? Do they, does everybody band together and say, well, we're going to wait until the till the spring? I actually asked 
I don't mean to laugh, but I actually asked a couple of ADs from the same conference that scenario. One AD said, oh, we would play. The other AD said we wouldn't play. So um, these are obviously hypotheticals that we may not have to uh, encounter, but those are some of the situations that these guys are planning for. Again, it's just not knowing what they're going to be presented with and when we get the all clear. Brett McMurphy, uh, college football insider, does a, a has always done a fantastic job, but does a fantastic job now for stadium. Uh, I, I found it interesting. It's something that I, I think you did a snippet for their website or maybe for the network, and it kind of alludes to what you just talked about there. The hope is from one of the various ADs that you've talked to that the college football will do what's best for the big picture because of all the money uh, that's on the line. But I guess you believe and if I'm, if I'm misquoting you here, uh, please uh, correct me, but you believe not everyone is going to be willing to do what's best for the big picture. Why do you believe that? Well, I, again, it's, it's not what the, it's certainly in the order of importance. Um, it's not, well, I'm at the bottom. Okay. I want to set that straight, but the coaches <laughs> are next. The ADs are next moving up the totem pole, the presidents and chancellors, they have the most input. If the presidents and chancellors are not going to allow the student bodies back on campus in the fall, then you can't have the student athletes back on campus. Um, and then you can't play in the fall. Again, everyone that I talked to, I, I reached out to all 130 ADs in which 112 responded. Um, the number one thing that they all said is, as long as the health and safety of the student athletes is 100% guaranteed, taken care of, we're not going to take any risk there. Then we'll figure out what option we're going to do as far as how the season goes. People have asked me, well, could we play games without fans in the stands? I think colleges would do that as a last gasp effort. But the way I view it is if you can't have fans in the stands, then how are you going to have student bodies on campus? I, I kind of see those two things going together. The NFL is obviously a different animal. You can figure out, you know, you can do something like Major League Baseball is trying to do with the NFL. Because um, you don't have to have 30,000, um, 40,000, whatever the enrollments are at these universities on campus to have the student athletes back. The NFL, you have, you know, your 50 or 100, 100 uh, per number of personnel and you can, you know, make do with that. So, um, yeah, and I, and I don't, so I don't think, I don't think, I know everyone's saying how critical it is for the revenue generated by football. Make no mistake, there's no doubt about that, but they're not going to do anything to, that's not, you know, 100%, every box is checked off as far as health and safety. And, oh, by the way, the presidents won't control that either. That's going to be either the government officials or the health officials when they tell everybody we can go back to as close to what our normal life used to be before all this. Right. As far as ticket sales go, uh, even with Power 5 schools, that's still a huge revenue stream for their budget. It's not as I mean, it's a big deal anywhere, but it's not as big a deal, obviously, for the NFL and maybe the NBA because the TV deals are so strong. I think Major League Baseball, I find it interesting because I, I still think Major League Baseball needs to sell tickets to be, uh, you know, re that's a big part of their of their model. But for college, it's a huge part of and especially in East Carolina. I mean, that's really something that has to happen in order for the budget to be met and, and, and hopefully make a little money. It is, but, you know, if, again, the, the alternative is no football at all. So that's the worst case scenario. That's, that's, um, 
you know, as one AD told me, if we don't have football, we're bleak. That's, that's the scenario where everyone's bleak. So if you can't, if in it, the options of not having football is you can play football without fans, then you do it. Would you yeah. like, like to do that? Absolutely not. But at least getting the, the television revenue, obviously the television media rights revenue is much different for East Carolina than it is for the schools in the ACC. That's no secret. Everybody knows that. But at least you're getting something there. And also, I mentioned this to a couple of ADs, and they said, hey, I'm, a pass- <laughs> I'm going to pass this along. If some of games were played where there were no fans there, and obviously then the, I'm guessing the student schedules for the student-athletes would kind of be in flux. They'd be all over the map, probably online. Who knows? If that's the case, I said, you guys need to – I know you'd like to plan games 20 years out and schedule these series out in, in 2040 right now, but you <laughs> literally have 45 minutes to redo your schedules, and you guys need to play every single game of the week. You need to have quadruple headers every night. Instead of having 90% of the games on Saturdays, you spread them out. Maybe, maybe the meteorites holders will give you a little additional revenue because you're moving these games. Because believe me, if we're still in that situation and there are no fans in the stands and we're playing college football, the TV ratings are going to be through the roof. People are going to be dying for any kind of sports to watch. When you see, especially now, people watching these replays of games, that's how desperately they want sports back. So, again, uh, Sunbelt Commissioner Keith Gill said this the other day when he had a conference call, and he's right. He wasn't talking specifically about any examples we're talking about, but he described it perfectly. He said, look, everything is on the table. It's just mattering when we know we can move forward. We're talking to uh, Brett McMurphy with uh, Stadium. Brett, if Vegas uh, or a casino came to a conference now, say the American, and said, we'll bankroll uh, you all because we got to have something to, to play, uh, to bet on. We have to have games played to, in order for our industry to kind of return to, to things being normal. Hypothetically, do you think a conference, particularly kind of a mid or low major conference, would, would jump all over that offer? Well, again, I, I don't know all the specifics involved in your scenario, but again, if the health and safety of the players is there's no issues with that, then yeah, I mean, everything's on the table. If that's a way to recoup some of this, yeah, I mean, the the conference tournaments in basketball are held in you know held in hotels with casinos so i don't see why there would be an issue with that again everything we've known about college football in the last 10 15 20 years forget about it this year is going to be unprecedented so we're going to see a lot of weird things the schedule could get moved back we could have this year's schedule end and next year's schedule begin two months later and maybe in the middle of the nfl draft um we'll, we'll high caliber players like trevor lawrence potentially sit out if the season doesn't start till January or February? Absolutely. And I wouldn't blame them. But you know what? The alternative of no football is is the worst-case scenario. So, yeah, I'm sure if, if Vegas or somebody came to a conference, and again, the health and safety officials have determined it's okay to play football and they want to throw money at him to do whatever, um, I don't think they could put patches on their jersey, but... <laughs> I'm sure that they would work with these guys to recoup whatever money they could. Absolutely. These are unique circumstances, and it's going to take some unique ideas and ways to to generate that revenue. Because the fallout is, if the revenue, um, I don't know offhand what East Carolina's football revenue is, but whatever that number is, if they only make half that amount. Every school across the country only makes half their football media or football revenue 
as in previous years. Mm-hmm. Well, then what happens? The AD walks in the president's office and says, well, we only made, you know, 40 million instead of 60 or only made 30 out of 80, whatever the numbers are. Right. And then the president's like, well, how can we, how can we make this up somehow? And the AD says, well, if we cut these five Olympic sports, that'll get us a little bit of the way there. The president and the AD have a very tough decision. And I'm afraid a lot of Olympic sports will get either temporarily cut or permanently eliminated because of this. There isn't a right or a wrong answer, but these are some of the decisions that they're going to have to make if we can't get the football season in full and or if the football revenue is substantially is substantially a lot less than in past years. Because I think all athletic departments can sit there and say, well, look, ticket sales are down 10%, donations are down 10%, whatever, that's fine. But nobody's expecting their 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 revenue to drop by more than 50%. And that's a situation, unfortunately, um, a lot of schools may find themselves in. I know you were uh, on some shows earlier in the week or yesterday and, and talked about, uh, you know, sort of the working it out uh, with with ESPN and and. CBS and whomever is airing all of this, you know, assuming the NFL plays a, a pretty close to normal schedule, I think uh, the scenario of, of stuff going on simultaneously in the second semester is not as, as big a programming headache, but obviously football takes the precedent in, in all of this, regardless of the conference, regardless of uh, who the, who the media partner is. No question. I mean, you know, one of the concerns, you know, which I rattled off on if you play in the spring is, you know, the draft and season ends too late, all those things. Also, you would be competing directly with college basketball. You know, what happens with college basketball? Football can't start till January or mid-January. Neither can basketball. So does basketball cut down their non-conference schedule so they can still have the NCAA tournament in March or do they play a full schedule and go into go into April or early May. Again, that's something that has to be determined, but you can't, again, that's just something that, you know, these athletic departments, these ADs, these commissioners, these presidents are going to have to deal with and make the best of of whatever situation is out there. But certainly, yeah, college football um, is going, well, yes, that is precedent over college basketball. There was an example, gosh, it's several years ago, um, it was, I think, Arizona and New Mexico were playing, and I believe it was the New Mexico Bowl. So it's maybe, uh, I believe Rich Rod was still at Arizona back then. And Duke okay. was playing Butler it, on the same day, December, um, nationally televised basketball game, one of the top two programs in the country. Obviously, both teams are loaded. It was in December. Obviously, it's not an NCAA tournament game. But this really bad bowl game between New Mexico and Arizona, like trounced the Duke Butler basketball game in the TV ratings. It wasn't even close. So yeah, you, you're, you're dead on college football would definitely take precedent with the networks and everybody else, and then kind of figure out the best scenario they could for, uh, for men's and women's basketball. Yeah. Uh, Brett, uh, appreciate your time, uh, here greatly. Uh, last thing for you, and this is sort of anecdotal uh, in, in your conversations you've had, with uh athletic directors in particular how i mean how 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 fine is that line that i mean there could be even some football programs that may go away if there's not a full season well yeah i mean i didn't go down the rabbit hole with how much do you guys need to make before you guys shut down shut the doors or anything like that but certainly 
um, you know, they said, we've got to have a football season. We need to keep the lights on. Um, you know, I think, again, depending on how much of the difference of the revenue there is, I, you know, unfortunately, I think you could see some group of five programs shut down. I think, um, you know, if there is no non-conference season and you see a lot of these big money road games that these group of five schools and some FCS schools, for that matter, that they get, um, there's going to be some tough decisions these presidents are going to have to make. Um, you know, we saw UAB's program shut down just a few years ago, and there was nothing going on. So um, I'm not saying they're, they're in any danger, but I'm right, just right. that's an example. Um, you know, and I, I do think one thing that it's going to happen, and I'm sure every East Carolina fan on here is sick of hearing it, the word Power Five, but I really believe this, I think, because of this uh, COVID-19 and the situation, and if we can't play the season, on schedule, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna expedite the split between the Power Five schools and the Group of Five schools um, into either different divisions, different classifications, whatever it is. Um, and and I think that's unfortunate, but I think I think that's a very real possibility. Again, depending on on how much of a revenue hit everybody takes. Hey, Brett, thank you very much. I, I've uh, looked forward to having you on for a long while, and I'm glad we did. I hope you'll come back uh, as things uh, materialize down the road and uh, uh, stay safe and healthy out there in Tampa. And watch for Baskin. Watch for Carol Baskin. Do not uh, turn <laughs> I your got, back. I got, I got my head on a swivel. Thanks a lot. I'll, <laughs> I'll uh, come back anytime. Okay. Thanks, Brett. Do appreciate it. Uh, Brett McMurphy there. Uh, great stuff. Uh had to get him right at five o'clock. We appreciate uh, him doing this. Uh, Patrick Johnson with you, Ben Byram. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that and uh, get you ready for uh, our interview coming up near the bottom of the hour with uh, Dr. Ron Mitchelson, ECU's uh, interim chancellor. Uh, we have that still to come. So stay with us here. Uh, Patrick Johnson show on Tuesday, and uh, we'll be right back. Patrick Johnson. I think he's a hedonist and an overblown grandstander. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Bring it. The Ringer is going to launch a six-episode podcast series on Cam Newton. The working title, The Cam Chronicles. Apparently, they've been working on it for the last... uh, nine months so uh, I thought the purpose of a podcast was to have a little more immediacy than nine months this must be a hell of a podcast if they've been working on it for nine months yeah they like it's a uh, documentary or something Brett McMurphy uh, was great uh, it was great to have him on and uh, you know Brett I think I mean Brett has talked about every athletic director in the country at the FBS level and most every commissioner in college football. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little torn after listening to Brett there because I think he uh, has a pretty good feel that nobody's going to make any moves here until they feel like they can bring people back on campus and do so safely. And I'm not even talking just athletes. I, I think the idea is to try to bring students back on campus. So we'll see uh, if that's what they're waiting on. Who knows? And, you know, the, the whole concept of spring football, while, you know, I think it gives some people some comfort knowing that, you know, okay, the games would be played. It just won't be at a time of the year. 
and it also gives this business a little bit of ability to speculate and and uh, fantasy uh, book how TV will do things. What 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 season are we in right now, Ben? What time of the year are we in right now? We're in spring, right? I don't see how anything is going to be any different, uh, possibly next spring, than this spring. And I, I just I think if you could play this thing sooner, you want to do that. You want to get games going as close to the to the fall as possible. Because other parts of the country now are still, I mean, Brett even said it, you know, that's not everywhere is 80 degrees like it was today. Not everywhere is uh, Tampa, Florida. I mean, there's places where it's, you know, it's still kind of winter-like. And just, you know, naturally, things like the flu fester longer in uh, cold weather. Uh, Cam Newton, back to him real quick here. Um Cam says he feels like a fish out of water as a free agent. Uh, he made these comments on Chris Paul's Instagram live. I'm a fish out of water. I, don't, I have, I've never not known anything other than the Carolina Panthers. And now it's like, you know, I want God to direct my path and, and, and put me in a position where I can thrive and, and, and be myself. But on top of that, just still, you know, gaining, becoming better. Uh, Marty Herney yesterday had his uh, teleconference. One of the cuts we didn't get to, and we'll get to it right here, is what was his reasoning for making the decision to move on from camp? I think in fairness, I'm not getting into the details of our decision-making process, David, but, I mean, I, I just think that, you know, once we made that decision, and, again, it was uh, a, a, lot of, a, a lot of, you know, thought and communication went into it, um, and once we made that, we let Cam know immediately. And, you know, these are all, these, these difficult decisions have their own timeline, each one of them. And, and you make them for, for reasons, different reasons. And obviously a lot plays into every one of those decisions as it did this one. So I just, um, I, I think that, that you guys know how much we respect Cam and, and again, I uh, appreciate everything he's given, and it was extremely difficult. But that's uh, that's where we we ended up. So Marty Herney taking about a minute there to um, basically not answer the question. As for Cam feeling like a fish out of water, he could even into the season. I don't think anybody's going to make a move on him until medical people can really examine him for a team. So I think whenever the NFL season will be played, I think you could be pretty close to the end of training camp, if not into the season before Cam Newton finds a home. And that would have been unthinkable five years ago. It would have been something that nobody could have ever imagined. But the injuries have certainly taken a toll, and the performance has suffered. Let's face it. I mean, it's been nowhere near the MVP. That's a, that's a battered 30-some-odd-year-old because of the way that he has run the football in his career. Uh, let's uh, grab a break. Uh, Ron Mitchelson, Dr. Mitchelson, interim chancellor at ECU, will be with us. Uh, we'll welcome him aboard after Ben Byram updates you here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Thanks, Patrick. Ben Byram here for your 94 Through the Game Sports Update. Former J.H. Rose rampant head football coach Dave Wojtekiewicz announced on Twitter that he found a new home in North Wilkes High School as the football team's new head coach and strength and conditioning teacher. 
Coach Rotecki brings plenty of experience to the table for that Vikings team, boasting a 58 and 32 overall record from 2013 to 2019 as the head coach at J.H. Rose. In the NFL, Cam Newton made headlines as he joined NBA star Chris Paul on Instagram Live. When asked how he was spending his time during the quarantine to stay strong, here was Cam's response. Man, honestly, man, I, I, I really have take this time to become stronger mentally, physically, and spiritually. I think that's that's more important than anything, man. I, I've, I've gained this, this interest to meditate every morning, man. In the MLB, the league looks to keep the 2020 season alive, even if that includes taking drastic measures. During a league meeting, an idea that was being floated around that was has attracted serious interest was the concept of having all 30 of the teams in Arizona and playing a season in an in empty ballparks around the Phoenix area, according to the Associated Press. Arizona being the headquarters of the 2020 season garnered much interest because Arizona's advantage is 10 spring training ball car, ballparks, plus the Arizona Diamondbacks chase field all within about 50 miles, while Florida spring training ballparks are spread up as about as much as 20, 220 miles. For your 94 through the game sports update, I'm Ben Byron. More from the Patrick Johnson Show after this quick timeout. Patrick Johnson, every weekday at 5. I know he's a friend of yours, but that guy is bonkers. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Come with me now. Come with me now. Welcome back. Dr. Ron Mitchelson, interim chancellor of East Carolina University, is on the phone with us. Thank you so much for the time, Dr. Mitchelson, and I hope you're well. I'm doing great. I'm glad you're well, Patrick. I am, and uh, I appreciate your uh, well wishes very much. Glad to hear that you are, are doing uh, well likewise. Uh, as uh, as Jerry Garcia sang, what a long, strange trip it's been as the interim chancellor uh, of, of yeah. the CU. Uh, already uh, some unique uh, circumstances surrounding that. Uh, you've done a, a marvelous job uh, by all accounts. and uh, And now this. So uh, certainly the Ron Mitchelson book has an interesting chapter or two in it, I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, let it be known uh, he can hit the curveball. <laughs> what has been in this most recent month your biggest challenge? You know, it, it's communication. Um, you, you know, the biggest challenge in any kind of uh, crisis is is um, is certainly uh, communication, and we've certainly gone from one form of difficulty to another here in in the in the I guess it's been six months since uh, uh, I took the interim role so um, you know good communication and and uh, I think we're working really really hard at that and I'm, I'm so well supported here uh, Janine Hudson is a is in my eyes a, a hero for for assisting me in, in over communicating <laughs> Dr. Ron Mitchelson is uh, with us uh, Dr. Mitchelson as far as the day-to-day operations for East Carolina University, can you give us some insight into that? Yeah, so the the um, the senior leadership is is meeting uh, regularly uh, three times a week so that we review operations. Uh, in in general, I I feel like um, the the mission is is still being carried out. We've got uh, still have about twenty eight thousand students out there. They're all online, and the faculty moved um, in almost miracle fashion. Um, Fully to the to the online platform. I must say that we're we're used to the online platform. Uh, distance education. Uh, we've we've led the 
UNC system for quite some time now. So we've got we've got the expertise, but but moving the the whole enterprise to that platform, um, you know, it takes technology. It it takes a lot of uh, uh, expert training, and and I think we've done that beautifully. And and kudos to the the students. I mean, you talk about gritty, resilient students. Uh, we got them in. In, in large number here at ECU. We've talked with uh, John Gilbert. We've talked with Mike Houston. There are some student athletes that uh, are around town, but some that are still in the dorms on campus. Could you give us an update as far as just the general student population, how many students are currently on campus? Yeah, I think the total number is um, just under 40 total, which is a um, compared to most of the um, UNC system, a, pre- a pretty small number. And uh, they're they're being well attended to. In fact, I know the the board of trustees, to their to you know to their credit, uh, has has taken up a a bit of a donation so that those students in the dorms might have a little variety in their diets. So <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm thankful thankful for that. You know, it's uh, it's an important avenue to a student's uh, uh, attention when you when you can feed them. Yeah, I, I think by and large. Uh, students have a little more variety in their diet just naturally the way they than they did when yeah. I was there. We didn't have a ton of variety in the uh, diet. Uh, it was we, we enjoyed yeah. what we ate, but we didn't have a ton of variety in the diet back in the good old days. They've, they've, they've come a long way. <laughs> Ron Mitchelson, acting chancellor, interim chancellor at ECU, is joining us uh, here on the Patrick Johnson Show today. The student athletes, and you know, we're, we obviously yeah. are a sports station, generally a sports show. I, actually, I say we're a community show first. Uh, that's kind of the mantra and the mission, anything that we've done with Henry, you know, Hinton over the years, that's our, our mission. Yep. And sure. so that's, that's where we are. And, and that's why we talk to people like you and talk about a variety of subjects, uh, on here, especially in these times. Uh, but you know, as far as athletics, what is your communication now with John Gilbert, with the conference, uh, powers that be and, uh, in the NCAA possibly? Yeah, so um, John and I are in, in constant communication. So he, he's, um, you know, in my book, he's a great AD and, and provides tremendous uh, stable leadership there for ECU athletics. He's a member of the cabinet, so he, he meets uh, as a member of the cabinet with me three times three times a, a week. And then uh, he, he's not bashful about uh, making a phone call. I was on the phone with him uh, yesterday. Um, the evening before, we've got a, a group meeting today to talk about, um, you know, what kind of tools we actually have in our toolbox as we try to cope um, with the with the loss of revenues. And uh, so uh, there'll, there'll be some some types of adjustments that are necessary, and we got to make sure that we've got our bases covered. So John and I um, speak very very frequently. Um, I was on the phone with Mike Oresco on. Friday to um, so that he provided an update on, on some of the, the conference uh, dealings. Uh, by the way, I love the American, and I'm just so proud that we're a member of the, the American. I think it's a tremendous conference. Uh, I was giving him an update on, on where we were with operations, and uh, you know, I, 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 that that avenue of communication is is um, at a minimum monthly. So uh, I feel strong strongly about the quality of that um, uh, partnership. Uh, NC2A, I haven't really heard from. You know, I rely heavily on John to keep us apprised of of what's happening there. I know that the loss of uh, revenue, um, our portion of the revenue from from the March Madness is is going to be uh, somewhat hurtful. So uh, that's part of our adjustments. 
When it comes to the possibility of student athletes returning to campus, uh, we could talk about the general population uh, in more detail in a little bit. But as far as student athletes returning to campus ahead of fall sports, have you entered those discussions and, and the planning phase of that yet with your staff? Yeah, I, I think the we have as a cabinet. We have, um, you know, in, in general for these kinds of uh, matters, we we view. Um, student athletes just like the student body in right. general so what we what we've what we've done um thus far uh is uh to make sure that they're safe uh and that they're well supported uh to make to, to make sure that they're making the academic progress that we that we require so um most of them are home of course and uh uh, and I think for the most part um, well served uh, by Anita Boyce and, and our academic support team um, so I think that's going pretty well uh, you know bringing them back is going to be such a tricky business um, uh, right now we have moved our summer school sessions online and um, in large part to to um, make sure that the students don't have to come back to campus I think we'll know more uh, as this thing um, peaks, uh, at least within the United States urban system, as it peaks over the, over the next uh, week or so. We'll know a lot more about uh, when the potential for returning some students, uh, if they choose, uh, would be. I don't see it happening uh, anytime before July. I think in, in, in our thinking, uh, nobody's going to come back to this campus in large number until uh, after July 1, and then we'll have to make that decision probably in May. Uh, we'll take a look at that. We certainly would love for um, student-athletes to be able to come back for, um, uh, for the second summer session, which would start in July. But, again, it'll be more like a choice because we're going to make sure that the online uh, sections of all those courses are, are provided. So we'll know more in May, um, and uh, hopefully we can bring them back in July. Could you envision a scenario where it might be just student athletes while the general student population still is remote? They would probably, I would say that they would have the same choice set that the general student population would have. If we, if we had students who wanted to come back for second summer session and it was safe to do so, that will be primary goal here is to keep everybody safe. Uh, then we would open the, uh, open the doors to others as well. Um, so uh, probably not. I don't think we would single them out. Dr. Ron Mitchelson is uh, with us here on the phone. Uh, we're talking uh, kind of the latest of uh, ECU uh, as a whole, ECU Athletics, and it's great to have him on the phone with us uh, here today. A little bit ago, you discussed distance education. ECU is a leader in the state, one of the leaders in the nation as far as distance education goes. And I think the fallout from this current situation they're going to be a lot, life as we sort of knew it may not ever be the same. Uh, some of that will be good. Some of that will be uh, not so positive. But could you see just the overall education model maybe shifting a little more, not just for ECU, but nationally to that distance education model? Well, you know, um, our recent history, let's say for the last um, almost 20 years now, it, most, of our, most of our rapid growth has been in distance education. So providing educational services to to students uh, far and wide ac across North Carolina, up and down the eastern seaboard, we've gotten really good at that. So um, I think that that trend is going to continue. 
having said that, I don't think it's a substitute for what we do when we bring 4,000 uh, freshmen, first-year students to, to Greenville, and um, we give them the full experience of, of college life. I don't, I don't see that going away um, at all, actually. So um, if, if anything, I think what, what this provides is more choices. And, and I do think the, um, the students will have a, a greater variety of choices to make if, if they want to live, live at home and, and, and do the work uh, online. I think that'll be a good choice. But make no mistake, um, it's not a clear substitute for what we do on this campus. Yeah, a, a lot of the questions about athletics uh, I know are sort of John Gilbert questions, although you're, you're fairly well uh, informed on that regularly, as you noted a few minutes ago. The yep. the tricky part of this for ECU, and I think for a lot of college football, is ticket sales are still a big part of that uh, revenue model, of, of a, oh, yeah. a, a key revenue stream and of that budgetary model. Uh, any update that you can give us right now as far as where that is and if the sh- season has to be shortened, modified in any way, uh, what challenges that may provide? Ticket sales and donations um, are are probably the, um, the the key items that that most ads are are concerned about. Um, I've looked at a recent survey of of uh, 130 ads um, who participate in in the in bowls, um, the bowl subdivision. So um, they they are really concerned about ticket sales and uh, and donations and. I can't blame them. I mean, it's going to be, there's a real behavioral kind of equation here um, that's, that's going on. Even if the NC2A permits games to be played, ours is scheduled first game against Marshall, which I'm looking forward to, you know, historic game on August 29th. If that's permitted to be played, you've got another question. Um, it's behavioral health. I mean, our people, people who are getting used to being six feet apart are they going to want to crowd into, you know, our stadium and, and watch football games? So there's a lot of a, a lot of questions that um, I, I don't think will be answered any anytime soon. Um, uh, but they'll make no mistake; it'll it'll have a dampening effect on on ticket sales. Doctor Ron Mitchelson is with us, interim uh, chancellor for uh, ECU. We uh, appreciate him taking a few minutes with us uh, here. Uh, to sort of update the Pirate Nation and beyond on uh, the the happenings at East Carolina University uh, in this new normal that we're all uh, experiencing here. Concerning things as far as uh, a modified or or schedule being moved, you know, that seems to be gaining the what-if traction. Sources now are are pointing to that being a a very much a possibility, although the NCAA uh, at at the time we're speaking here I don't think has come out and endorsed it one way or the other publicly. Uh, It has been discussed with, again, you know, pretty credible reporters nationally. Is that a model that's workable uh, as far as playing football and basketball and, and those second semester spring sports essentially simultaneously? Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a great question. It won't be, um, um, it'll be, it'll be difficult. I mean, and it'll be uh, certainly unusual and a lot of difficult adaptation will need to take place. We've been thinking about the same thing in general for our university academic uh, calendar um and uh you know there's a lot a lot to be discussed about the feasibility of these things Mm -hmm. 
um, as you know, uh, some events have just said, well, we can't deal with the uncertainty, so we're just going to cancel. When you cancel the uh, the open, uh, right. uh, you know, <laughs> that says a lot about um, dealing with uh, the difficulty of dealing with uncertainty. So um, we've got a, we've already formed a group to think about moving the academic calendar um, and as a as a response because I really, uh, as I mentioned, I, I don't. I don't like the idea of having uh, 4,000 first-year students and and having them online instead of having them in Greenville, North Carolina, right. where we can where we can um, not only uh, tend to their academic growth but also their their social growth and and uh, maturity. So uh, you, you know, it's it, it takes a whole village to raise up the the, the young adolescents, and and, uh, and that's what we're about. So. It, I think this movement of, of the calendar is definitely a possibility. It's definitely something that we're investigating seriously now. It's definitely something that's going to take um, some other uh, individuals to think also highly of. I mean, if we do that, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming we're going to need uh, uh, systems, uh, UNC systems approval. Uh, the Board of Governors will weigh in, of course, as will our local trustees. So I I, um, I, I think everything's on the table, um, and we want we want student success, and and we want uh, ECU athletic success, and if that means moving the calendar around, then um, then we'll we'll do it. It's on the table. So, would is it fair to say then that there's a possibility of even if it's still distance learning in a sense, you might have that option for for first year students, or you might say, hey, freshman, you don't start your semester until after. January, Correct. basically. Okay. Correct. Or, 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 or may, you know, for lucky, maybe October 1st. Gotcha. Uh, you know, uh, so, so we're thinking about all of that. And, uh, the group that I have, um, glued together to think about that are some of our, um, brightest minds, uh, here uh, on campus. And, and they're thinking about the feasibility, uh, from all aspects, you know, the, the, the learning environments, you know, the billing, the, uh, housing and and all all of the various aspects that you need to take into consideration. So, you know, the first semester might start in something like October and, and end in February, and um, you know I, I, that's that's a possibility. Over the last several years, there have been uh, some that have tried to paint the finances at ECU as being devastatingly bleak. As we talk here today, could you maybe give a little bit of a financial health update for the university? There, there are two things that I've um, focused on. Our, our net position, which is basically um, uh, a cash on hand, has definitely declined over the last three years, consecutive years. Most of that has been planned. For example, when you open a new uh, student center, um, um, a lot of the reserves that you had built up to build the center and to operate the center would then, um, you know, be removed. So we've definitely had a decline in, in overall reserves here. Uh, and we've taken steps to, um, to arrest that decline in reserves. Uh, but I mean, we're, we're healthy. We, we've, we've certainly had years in, in, in our history, uh, where we had less reserve than we have today. So, um, I, I'm not, I'm not, there's no panic, uh, when it comes to how much we've put in the bank and, and, and the rate at which we're now this this episode, um, uh, COVID nineteen episode, is not going to do us any good in this regard. I mean, it will it will take some more reserve to get out of um, uh, out of this 
um, episode, we're hopeful that the federal funding, uh, it's called the CARES Act, mm-hmm. um, will filter to us in significant amounts. Um, one estimate I've seen uh, from a, from the American Council on Education would provide $20 million to us uh, in, in, in assistance, and most of which would go to um, students, perhaps in the form of those refunds for housing and, and dining. Um, but then I'm hope I'm hopeful that the legislature also sees fit to to um, uh, come through with um, additional um, emergency funding for for the university system. I know that's that's uh, on the top of the list for our board of governors. So uh, I, I'm hopeful that we'll get some relief and that and, and that we'll you know sail through these old rough waters like we've done before, and that we'll come out the other side. Uh, stronger and as healthy as ever. One other thing on athletics, uh, Dr. Mitchelson, the uh, spring athletes, and then the NCAA has granted that extra year of eligibility. There, there are going to be some some things as far as the finances with that, but, but overall, uh, you know, a real negative has seemingly become very positive for that group of athletes. Yeah, I, th- I think, um, you know, from day one, I was saying, well, I th- if it was me, I would be giving them uh, an extra year. I think it's only right, and I think it's the fair thing to do. So I'm I'm hopeful that that uh, you know at least they have choice and that and they can stay with us if they if they so choose. I I have felt horrible for um, for what was stolen from them. You know the the level the intensity of preparation that those student athletes um, uh, endure and invest in and to make sure that we're so well represented. I couldn't be prouder of them, and uh, to have this taken from them is is just. Um, um, well, I'll never forgive this virus, I can tell you that. <laughs> Dr. Mitchelson, we've done a lot of uh, talking about the future and uh, about uh, the plans for the future. Uh, as far as the, the here and now seniors, uh, this is obviously, for the class of 2020, uh, interesting times as, as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, for I, sure. I think some of this has been made public, but again, you know, for people that maybe are not in the loop and, and are curious, what is the plan as far as commencement with that group that was set to graduate uh, in, a, in a month or so? Yeah, the, the class of 2020 is, is in, they're, they're already, uh, they have my highest level of esteem. I mean, that, what a gritty and resilient group as uh, they cope with something that has been stolen from them as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, they, they were looking forward to a, a tremendous uh, commencement exercise, a celebration of, of at least four years of hard work and are deserving of that. And it's been stolen and it wasn't stolen by you or me. It was stolen by a crazy virus. So we're going to do everything we can to, um, to help with that disappointment. Uh, we'll, we'll do um, first and foremost, a, a formal uh, commencement exercise. It'll be virtual. It won't be the same as an in-person commencement exercise, but it'll be well done. Uh, and uh, that'll be on May 8th, as, as uh, previously scheduled. And then, um, hopeful that, that you know that uh, our virus cooperates. The virus owns the timeline, unfortunately. So uh, we're we're very very hopeful that we'll be able to bring um, those uh, that class of 2020 back. Uh, you you can imagine a, a variety of options. Maybe we bring them back for for homecoming, and and we throw them a grad bash then. And, Right. And uh, and celebrate in the appropriate fashion. Maybe we invite them back to um, uh, winter commencement, the December commencement. So we'll we'll make sure 
that those uh, that class of 2020 feel celebrated in the fashion that they deserve. Dr. Mitchelson, what would be some parting words for the Pirate Nation, ECU, Greenville, all of Eastern Carolina? Well, you know, we're, we're pirates, so um, you know, we've, we've bailed these crazy rough seas before. It's certainly uncharted territory for us, and, and but you know what? We're, we're pirates, and uh, we've been there before, and, and uh, we'll come out the other side and intact and cohesive. Uh, we, we've got a common enemy out there now, so uh, let's go get it. Dr. Mitchell said thank you so much for the time. Hey, Patrick, have a good day and stay safe. You too. Thank you. Uh, a little bit of overtime uh, here. Uh, we'll, we'll take a break. We need to get one in, and then we'll get our final one in uh, as we wrap up the show after this. Uh, kind of a recap of what has been another eventful day here on the PJ Show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we're doing it for the gram. Doing it for the gram. Like our brand new 94.3 The Game Instagram page for photos from our shows, all the events we cover, pirate game days, and all the hashtags, pics, and videos from around the pirate nation. That's 94.3 The Game and our brand new page now on Instagram. Patrick Johnson. For a guy who thinks he's cool, you're sure no fun. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. So, here's what I take from today, and this is interesting, it kind of lined up um, with what Brett McMurphy was saying and then what uh, Chancellor uh, Ron Mitchelson was just saying as well. Uh, Ben, right now, I don't think the conversation lends itself to bringing football players and, and athletes back independently of students. Now, I think McMurphy has obviously, you know, talked to a wider swath of people. With ECU, it seems like that they are making plans to try to not bring those athletes back independently of the rest of the student body. And if that's what they are waiting on, then I I, I can't imagine that there's any kind of college sports played until, gosh, maybe December. Because, you know, the semester would end and, and you kind of have that period of time in between semesters that a lot of basketballs played and a lot of bowl games are played. So I, I, but if you're waiting for students to fully get back on campus, which is mid January, uh, boy, that's a, that's a challenge. Cause I, you know, now if, if they're willing, and again, I think everything is on the table, like Brett said, if they're willing, if, if universities are willing to bring just the students back and get things cranked up, but I mean, you're still exposing, you know, uh, people to being kind of in confined uh, spaces of the locker room. But I think that is maybe a little more of a reality than we're not going to bring in student athletes back independently of the rest of the student body. If, if that's the case, boy, that uh, that that is that is a plan that I think could be one that means we're not going to see any college football. Uh, until maybe 2021, right when the calendar flips. I could be wrong. I'm just sort of reading what I, you know, just heard there from those two guys in the last hour. So uh, we will see. That that was, uh, we've had a lot the last two days, just a lot of of, of guests on. uh, And uh, tomorrow we'll have 
a little more in the way of uh, audio and uh, kind of the stories going on. We really haven't had a chance yet to talk about the golf situation uh, and what the Masters has decided. And there's some uh, word now that Kurt Herbstreit is considering Kirk Herbstreit is considering uh, going to Monday night football, but he does not want to relinquish anything on Saturday that he does, especially college game day. So uh, there's a ton of things to talk about, and we will try to get into talking about them in some further detail uh, tomorrow. Uh, big thanks to having uh, Brett McMurphy on, and a big thanks to uh, Ron Mitchelson for being on with the CCU Interim Chancellor. They both were were fantastic, and we appreciate you sticking with us a little overtime here. Uh, back tomorrow, 5 o'clock, Patrick Johnson Show. Tom Brady will be in the news tomorrow, and we'll try to bring you some audio from that. Have a good day, everybody.